Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Today we talk about something that I love to talk about. It's called Believe and Turn Up the Gas. That's right. You know, those old stoves, they used to have uh, gas and you would turn it up really high when you wanted something good and crispy. Well, if you want your life to be good and crispy and exciting, you got to turn up the gas. And so open your Bible to Philippians chapter four today. I'm going to show you how Paul did it. I want to show you the confidence he had and the confidence you need to have in your life. Enjoy the study. Paul was a man who understood a lot about believing. He'd gone through a lot in his life. Paul was a very intentional man. He wrote intentionally, taught intentionally, thought intentionally. He was a very focused person. I am convinced that for a lot of us, the blessing we pray for will never come because we're not intentional enough. We're a little bit everywhere, and somehow we need to arrest that in ourselves. I have to arrest it every day. Listen, I have to arrest it how often? Every day. Every day I have to say to myself, Temple, be focused. Temple, stay focused. Temple, you are moving all over the place. If you're supposed to be studying, please sit at the table and study. If you're supposed to be doing something, get it done. Be intentional. Sometimes you don't stay in one place long enough for God to bless you. You're everywhere. Your mind, your heart, your habits. In this study, I will look at three men, three individuals, one historical individual and two in scripture who model what I call believing and turning up the gas. And I want you to look at the text with me, Philippians 4 and 12. Listen to what it says. This is Paul, our first guy talking here. He says, I know how to be abased, which means I know how to be brought low. I know what it's like to be embarrassed. I understand embarrassment. I understand what it means to be humiliated. I understand what it means to be publicly displayed. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Those are two extremes in life, knowing how to manage embarrassment and knowing how to manage success. Mary, the mother of Jesus, understood both. She was heralded by the angels and embarrassed in public. All of her life, listen to me, all of Mary's life, she was viewed as a fornicator, all of her life. You find that in John chapter 8 when Jesus is a grown man in his 30s and the, they confront him in this conversation. And he says, you are of your father, the devil, he tells them in this dispute he has with the Pharisees and the leaders. And they say in response, at least we were not born of fornication. Something when you have a reputation you didn't create. It's something when people brand you and tag you and you emotionally don't feel the same when you go through the marketplace and when you travel around town. You don't feel the same way. You feel abased. You feel embarrassed. Paul said, I know how to be abased. I know what it's like to be embarrassed. He was a Pharisee. He was once one of the elite religious leaders, and now he's an outcast. His own people don't respect him. He's highly educated, Ph.D. educated. He was the leader of the pack, but now he's the mocked of the pack. He's one of those Christians now. He's lost his reputation. He's lost his title. He's lost his power. He's no longer a Pharisee. He knows how to be abased. He knows what it's like to be beaten up. He knows what it's like to be put in prison. He knows what it's like to have a record that you shouldn't have. When they pull up your rap sheet, you look one way, but you know that's not fair. You know how to be abased and you know how to abound. You know what it's like to have everything. 
to drive the nice car, live in the nice home. You know both sides of that feeling. It's an emotional point Paul makes. I know both sides of that. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and I know how to suffer need. Now, a lot of us don't like that part of it at all. I don't. I never ask God to take all my money. I never ask God to help me. I don't like persecution. Unnecessary persecution. I believe in security. Say amen. amen. That's just me. I just don't don't jump on me funny. Now watch it. I, I don't like it. I think there's something about having a um, an awareness that no matter what you don't like, there are times of suffering. There are times when you suffer. There are times when things happen and you absolutely have no power over it. It's that season to be misunderstood. It's that season to not be liked on a job. It's that season when you will have a challenge. I know how to be abased. I know how to suffer need. I know how to hunger. I know all of that. But one thing I've learned in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ. This wasn't some call to be Superman. This wasn't some prophecy that says I can I can play basketball if I can't. Some of you cannot dance and that's never changing. You will never be able to dance. And if you do, we'll all know you're trying something. You should stop right away. I can do all things has nothing to do with you being able to operate outside of your gifting. This is a call that says, Paul, I can manage my life. Abasement, embarrassment or abounding. I can deal with it all. I've learned that I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. It's a very simple, but very profound statement. Now, what's interesting about this is when I read this, I find myself saying, wow, what a man. It inspires me. It inspires me to reach down in my soul. And if I can use the term, turn up the gas, because when this guy can go through what he's gone through and he can be this kind of positive, strong person, it makes me want to say, hey, come on, Temple. So I ask myself some questions. How low is your gas burning? (laughs) How hard are you working? How smart are you working? How aggressively are you moving? Have you allowed life to turn down your gas to the point that people can't really tell there's anything about you that's exciting? You know, our church has to hear God. You know, this whole experience we've gone through in the last few years, all that we've done, I believe it was designed to turn up the gas. I believe it's ignited something in me, evangelism, hunger, fire, passion, clarity, vision a desire to advance my mind, my heart, it, it's, it's put something in me. I, I, I really, I did a series uh, some time ago where I talked about, I, I don't want to be broke, don't want to be lazy, blastic. You remember that? I don't want to be broke, lazy, afraid, slow, distracted, or ignorant, or carnal. I don't want to be any of those. I'll tell you, all that's really true now. I get it. And I think there are times in your life when you go through experiences that change you. They lift you. Paul's experiences turned something up in him. It ignited in him a a sense of confidence, a sense of faith. And I'll show you that more in a moment. But if I can step out of Paul's life and take you to a man that surprised me. In some research I was doing uh, for a project, I ran across a man that I've never really studied before. I've I've heard his name. I've I've heard of a college in Chicago that was named after him. Uh, but I never knew. There's a whole network, a radio network called the Moody Network. I've, many of you listen to it. I've, I've never really studied D.L. Moody's life. 
But in this project, I was uh, sort of, he was part of the research, and I just found myself in, in just, just really almost lost in this research. And I, I have to catch myself and not say too much about him. But let me tell you one of the things that moves me about this man. is This is a guy who lived during the Civil War. So you, you got to go way back a little bit, and you got to think a little bit. This is a guy who, in the, the mid-1800s, would probably be a person you would not think would have much to offer the world. This is a guy who was from an, a family that was pretty, um, they were progressive. There were many members of his family that went into business and, and uh, went on the shoe store in, in Chicago. So there's, a, I mean, you can find in his family but the strengths, but he couldn't read. This guy only had four years of formal education. This is a guy that um, when you read his writings, uh, it's scary. He, he couldn't write. This is a guy that was um, incredibly um, marked uh, for failure or just an average existence. You would never think this guy would end up speaking to 100 million people in print and in person. You would never think this guy would rise from this farm where he grew up. You never would think this guy who grew up in this small town and would somehow rise to be this incredible educator of others. How could you start schools and you don't have a degree? How could you inspire millions and thousands of people around the world and you don't have a master's degree or a bachelor's degree or any kind of degree? You didn't even finish elementary school. You have four years of formal education. How could you possibly move to another city and become a mighty entrepreneur? How could you become the top salesman in the shoe store that your uncle owned? How could you possibly, at some season of your life, you are homeless? Because you moved, you moved to Chicago and then things didn't work out and you just ended up with living in the street. How could that guy who can't hardly talk, who's breaking up verbs here, and how could that guy end up becoming an incredible person? I'll tell you what you find about D.L. Moody when you study his life. He had something that was amazing, a smile. He'd light up a room. He had this passion that said, despite my challenges, despite my lack of education, I believe I can. And one day, uh, somebody came in, his uncle's friend came in, and, and in the shoe store where he was working in Chicago, and, and in the back office, in the, in, the, in the storage room, laid his hands on his shoulder and prayed for him and said, Jesus loves you. DL, God wants you. And he, he, say, he said, I don't even remember what the man said to me. I don't remember the words, but in that moment, I became born again. And in that moment, his life changed. And a gas was turned up in him, a fire for life, a passion that burned so bright, he became one of the main reasons that many generals in our army came to know Christ. This same guy was the first megachurch leader in American history. This same guy, during the Civil War days, he was so impressive, he started a a, a program for young children. They used to call him Crazy Moody. You know why? Because he went to the back parts of Chicago, the worst neighborhoods, and recruited kids to come to study about God. And that guy had 1,500 kids coming back in the mid-1800s. 1,500. He was so impressive that Abraham Lincoln came to see what he was doing. Amazing. Four years of education but he had fire, he had passion, he had drive. He had something that a lot of educated people didn't have. Now, some of you went to school, you got all the degrees you can get. They won't even let you back in. 
taking all the classes they'll let you take. When they see you coming, they say, oh, Lord, there's nothing else to teach. Your problem is not education. Your problem is the gas is too low. Your problem is your smile is not big enough. Your, your problem is your, your hunger is not strong enough. D.L. Moody was a guy who rose to speak to thousands of people. 20,000, 10,000, 15,000. How do you rise to that level? You rise with passion. You rise with fire. You turn up the gas and you believe that no matter what happens to you, you can do it. There's something about knowing that I can do. When you hear Paul say that, you know, it really grabs you. Try it. Say, I can do. I can do. You know, I don't sound like, come on, say, I can do. I can do. In that moment of despair and frustration, you say it like nobody else can say, it. I can do. Changes everything. Changes everything when you look at your life and you say, I can do this. I can do this. I can overcome this. I can see beyond the darkness. D.L. Moody saw beyond it and changed the world around him. D.L. Moody had every reason to fail, but he succeeded. D.L. Moody was a guy that has now lived to be, and still today, by the way, has the oldest mega church in the United States, 2000, today. There's still a 10,000 seat sanctuary today. This guy still has a school in Chicago today. You listen to his network today. Why? Because this guy who could not read, believed. Some of you are so stuck on what you didn't do. You spent all your life dwelling on what you didn't learn. What did you learn? What did you accomplish? Focus on that. Can I get an amen? amen. D.L. Moody is not the only example in our main story today. The example is that we have a guy named Paul and I want you to look at chapter 16. Now, in your sermon notes, I did not give you the text. Acts chapter 16, if you turn there. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. I want to show you something that impresses me in a way that I, I can barely describe. I, I'm so moved by this. If I could get you to illustrate, to, to imagine this with me. Verse 16 says, it happened as we, Luke speaking, he's the writer of the book of, of Acts. He went to prayer. A certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us. Again, Luke is talking, telling the story and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. So they went to prayer. And that's the first thing I want you to notice. And every day on the way to prayer, they had this event called frustration. Anybody know anything about that? So they became annoyed. Second thing I want you to notice in the story, verse, goes on, verse 18, and Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, notice Paul said, I'm not talking to a person, this is a spirit. Sometimes that's a good distinction. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out of that, that very hour. Now, notice they did a good thing but they end up in a bad place. Now, um, I want you to get that chair for me, would you please bring me that chair? It, and I want to show I want to show them something because the next thing you, you got to imagine that this is you. Now, you ever did the will of God? You ever obeyed God? Thank you. you. You ever did everything God told you to do? And all of a sudden, after you did it, you had a problem. You, you, you ever been dragged anywhere? Anybody ever just drag you? Some of you say, yeah, my children, they're dragging me right now. They're dragging me. Dragged. So they were dragged. 
the people who, uh, they, uh, who had, they prayed for this woman, she got delivered, the demon, the spirit left her, and she wasn't able to, once she came to, to God, she wasn't able to fortune tell anymore like that. Something changed in her, and they got angry, so they, they grabbed a hold of Paul and Silas, and they dragged them. Now, that, that's easy to read, but it's one thing to read this, and it's another thing to be dragged. What's dragging you? Can you relate to this for a moment? And how do you respond to being dragged? How do you respond in your life when all of a sudden now you're being dragged after you did the right thing? Verse 19, when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now, you got to understand this is violent. This is ugly. Don't just read past that. Say they were dragged. I want you to pause, think about that, put that on your mind for a minute. This is hard. No, well, you, they, well, how about calling 911? You, you ever been in a country where there's no 911? That's a fascinating experience. You know, you, you, some of you think there's 911 all over the world, but you're wrong. Sometimes you get in trouble in the wrong part of the world, you're really in trouble. Some of you say, Pastor Rick, if you get in trouble in the wrong neighborhood, you don't have to have a country. So they were dragged. Say they were dragged. dragged. Come on, work with me, people. Come on, say they were dragged. dragged. I want you to pause. I'm going to stop right there for a minute because that's where some of you are. Dragged. You know, when you're dragged, that'll turn down your gas. And most people. Most of you, you're not good unless you're not being dragged. All I have to do to take the joy out of your soul is drag you. That's all I have to do. All I have to do is pull on your little back and all of your faith, Bible verses, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, quickening, anointing, everything goes right out the window. Ask your neighbor, say, can you be dragged? Come on, can you be dragged? I want to pause at that point because you have great faith as long as you're not being dragged, as long as you're not tired, as long as you're not fatigued, as long as your money is strong, as long as your bank account has a certain number, you are fine. But if you are dragged by financial challenge, you get quiet. You start staring at the preacher because he's reminding you <laughs> that you have bills you can't pay. You have issues right now. And because your relationship is not warm and fuzzy and because you're not kissy kissy, you can't be happy. So are you being dragged by your job? Do you just hate going in tomorrow because it's dragging your spirit? When you leave here, you got to go back to that man. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're just being dragged. They brought them to the magistrates, verse 20, and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Gets worse, verse 22. They stripped them, whipped them, and threw them into prison. You ever had things just get worse? Oh, boy. Multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates. Now, I want you to understand this. This is not private stripping. This is a public stripping. It's one thing to take your clothes off in private. You understand? 
But when somebody grabs a hold of my shirt and jerks it off from my pants, I mean, you know, come on, people. I'm standing up here half naked or naked, didn't describe. I'm, in, I'm exposed and I'm getting a public beat down. I've been dragged. I've been whipped. I'm now. And so can I ask you a question? What's going on with your life at this moment? Some of you say, well, pastor, that's tough. Isn't it? Let me ask you something. Are you going through anything like this? Here you are, all sad with your sad self, telling God, I'm under pressure. I need God to help me. They won't even speak to me at church. It's not like being dragged. (laughs) It's not like being, I mean, I want you to imagine. I had to stop and say, Temple, did you read this? Dragged. Say it slow, Temple, you're not hearing it. Dragged is what the text said. Whipped is what the text said. Stripped. We're talking about take off my clothes. Talk about naked here. Sorry for saying that. We're talking about it. This is not fun. So what do you say? Can we pause and have a moment of prayer? Father, why are you letting this happen to me? I thought there were angels in heaven. Wouldn't you wonder? It's amazing how in these moments, something is revealed. What we believe. Your faith. What you really think. So in the moments of difficulty that the real you is revealed. I argue that you don't love God as much as you say you do. I argue that you're not as committed as you say you are. I argue that the real reason why a lot of ministries don't make the difference in the world that they were called to is because they don't have this kind of faith. They don't have this kind of belief system. They don't have this kind of toughness. There's a level of toughness here. There's a level of vision here that goes past what I can understand. Whipped, dragged, exposed, embarrassed, with no explanation. You know, now some of you would call God to the witness stance. Well, God, could you please sit here for a minute? I want to talk to you now because you see your Bible. The Bible said I can do all things. The Bible said you supply all my needs. The Bible said, and you give God a bunch of verses, and you, your goal is to get God to explain to you why your life is so hard right now. And all he would tell you is read the Bible. You're supposed to believe me when it's not perfect. Read the Bible. It's right there. I gave you plenty of examples of people who turned up the gas. Now, I want you to watch this. When it was like this. That's what impresses me, if I can get to the point here. And I do want to get to the point. Look with me and notice, if you go down to number five, they, 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 it said they, they turned up the gas At midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. They were thrown into prison in verse uh, 23, laid hands on them, threw them into prison. In verse 25, these guys are praying and singing hymns to God and to the prisoners. The prisoners were, the Bible said, listening. I guess they were. You know, they saw them dragged in there. They saw them all beat up. Eyes all swollen, blood flowing out, and they all threw in their half naked, and they go, what you want to do, Silas? I feel that singing, man. <laughs> Let's have a worth of service. Let's have a worth of service. <laughs> it's been a rough day, man. We better say something. What song comes to your mind? I don't know. I need, we need to turn up the gas in here. <laughs> we need to do something. We need, 
We can't let this get us down. <laughs> sit up. I can't sit up. My back hurts, man. They kicked me in my back. <laughs> Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Can't get it out. Jesus. I mean, it's, these are some messed up, tore up. I mean, it's awful. But they have something that gets the prisoner's attention. The prisoners, did you see that old broke-up preacher coming in? He's singing. After that kind of beatdown, it seemed like he couldn't get a word out. Let me ask you something. Is that you? Is that you? Are you the kind of person who can sing and worship God and come out, come out with worship? Life's not perfect. Wow, what an incredible story. I'll tell you what, when you go through that kind of experience, it's amazing the impact you have. Now, after all that happens to them, they were delivered, and then those around them were impacted. It's because they believe that they can do all things through Christ. It's because they stood their ground. Every now and then in life, things get down and difficult, but turning up the gas, challenging yourself to go forward, not bowing to fear and insecurity, telling yourself you can no matter what makes the difference so i want you to believe the word of god believe what philippians says you can do all things through christ my name is pastor ricky temple see you next time thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed today's message from pastor ricky temple watch more encouraging messages from pastor rick at www.rickytemple.tv If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.